The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and we are coming to you live with the drugging of the day apparently. <laughs> That's coming in a minute but not yet. Uh, we're coming to you live from the Warner Center in Woodland Hills, California. This is the home for Autism Live. It is also the home for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. Uh, th we had so much going on here this morning. I still have glasses on the top of my head. That tells you what kind of morning it is. Uh, in any case, we're going to be with you live for the next hour talking about autism from a 360-degree perspective. We so treasure this time that we have with you and really look forward to hearing from you because this entire hour is meant to be interactive. In fact, there are lots of different ways that you can participate and our fabulous, having been here for a year and a day, Traven Hardy is going to show you some of the different ways that you can connect with us. While he's doing that, I want to remind you that our homepage is autism-live.com and when you go there, there's a lot of things to do there, uh, but some of the highlights that I want to point out to you are that you can go through all of our library of videos that we've been doing for almost, uh, we're coming up on the ninth year anniversary of Autism Live, which is great. Um, but there is also a way for you to interact at the bottom. If you go to the very bottom of the page, there is a chat button. If you click it, it opens a very small box. You can type away. Uh, there's a certain number of characters that it allows, but you can, you know, you guys have learned very well. I don't have to tell you, but I will. Uh, so you can, you know, type and hit enter and then type another one. And I'm pretty good at being able to fit which two go together. Um, the other thing is, is that if it's a big, long thing that you want to write, which is perfectly acceptable, please just email me directly. Um, you guys do that from time to time, and I love getting emails from you guys. It's s.penrod at autism-live.com, and we feed those uh, questions in as well. And of course, there's all the other ways that you can ask your questions as well. We know that this community is not a one-size-fits-all, and so the way in which you want to ask questions is not a one-size-fits-all, right? By the way, if there's a way that you know about that you could be watching our podcast, um, our criteria is that it needs to be a free and not a, you know, a, a paid, having to pay to watch individual videos. Um, but we're, let us know because we're looking for more places to put our show. We want our information to reach as many people as want it, right? But um, if there's a place that you know that's interactive that you would prefer to ask questions that we're not utilizing, please make us aware of that as well because that's we're here to serve. I do like to remind you um, at the start of shows whenever I have the time to do it that we have a lot of experts that are here on the show. Um, I'm not one of them. And I like to be really, really frank about that. I know I have a very strident voice and I get I'm very opinionated and I say things in a way 
Uh, but let's be clear, I'm not an expert in autism. Uh, I, I, I sound like a know-it-all, but I'm not. Um, uh, there are a lot of things that I'm aware of, and I do like to say after hosting this show and another show before this, so I've been, I've been hosting shows about autism for over a decade uh, and interviewing people about autism. Look, I have an informed opinion, right? <laughs> Like a lot of you, I have an informed opinion, um, but not an expert. Not an expert in autism, certainly not. Um, so just keep that in mind. But if you want to know what my informed opinion is, I'm always happy to share that. There's no, there's no filter. <laughs> no filter whatsoever. That left many, many years ago. Uh, we also uh, want you to know that uh, if there are segments that you see that we're not covering, this is such a big community, right? And when, when I talk about our community and the community that we're trying to serve here at Autism Live, we're talking about the greater autism community, which involves, of course, individuals who are on the autism spectrum, of course, right? But it also in, encompasses everybody who loves and cares about them as well. So that could be parents, that could be boyfriends and girlfriends, it could be husbands and wives, it could be cousins, it could be aunts, uncles, grandparents, practitioners, uh, caregivers, right? It, the list is endless, right? So it's everybody who's on the spectrum and everybody who cares about them and cares about them getting the resources, the support, the dignity and the respect that is deserved, right? Um, that's what this community is for. We know it's not one size fits all because that's a big, beautiful, broad spectrum of people, right? Um, so please know that I gave up mind reading, my previous life as a mind reader, to come and host a show about autism. In fact, to be an autism mom, I gave up mind reading. So don't make me guess. Write and tell us. Say, hey, we'd like to see a segment on this. Why are you not covering this? I don't think you have enough of this. Throw in some of this. We're always looking for story ideas. So. And if you would like to be on Autism Live, because from time to time people are like, well, hey, why haven't you asked me? Well, I don't know why I haven't asked you. But we love it when you pitch a segment here to us. We love it when you write in to me, um, s.penrod at autism-live, and say, hey, I'd like to be on your show, and here's what I'd like to talk about. And give me three or four talking points, and you know, I might come back to you and say, you know, I like number two. Can we, you know, uh, can we talk more about that? And, you know, and then we have a conversation, but we'd love to have you on the show. So uh, if you're part of that bigger community, we, yeah, you for sure have something going on that we would find interesting. So uh, write to me and let's make that happen. Okay. Now, uh, on Thursdays when, uh, when we're here and we haven't been here for a couple of weeks, we like to start off with something that we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani nani, are those experts talking about? What does this have to do with me and why do I need to learn this term? Is this going to save me time and money? And believe me, if we're covering it here, it will. And we like to give you the actual definition first, which whenever possible I like to make fun of because often that's really all you can do with the actual definition unless you have an advanced degree in psychology and ABA. Uh, then we give you a working definition, which often makes the experts break out into hives, and that's just an extra benefit, right? Uh, but hopefully it gives us a way to begin to look at this and go, hey, that might be useful to me. Don't be afraid if you don't get it the first time. It's why we cycle back through some of the terms, because sometimes it takes a while before you go, hey, I get that. That's what she was talking about. <gasps> look at how that works. That's a good thing. I'm going to put that into my pocket and keep that for jargon for myself. So. Uh, today's jargon term is behavior momentum. I know, you know, for me, that sounds like, I don't know, uh, like a runaway train, right? 
Um, and in a way, it's not far off. So let's take a look at our actual definition of behavior momentum. Behavior momentum, a theory in, in quantitative analysis of behavior, and is a behavioral metaphor based on physical momentum. It describes the general relation between resistance to change, persistence of behavior, and the rate of reinforcement obtained in a given situation. I know what behavior momentum is, and I don't even know what that definition means. What? Doesn't it sound like some sort of tea that helps with your intestines, like smooth move? What? I just don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that meant. So let's move on to our working definition, which I'll bet you we're going to have to pare down even more. Start. Oh, this is good. Behavior momentum, starting with easy tasks that are doable and working up to harder tasks. Okay. So this is what I like to call walking somebody into the shallow end of the pool. If I want to teach you something, and, and it could be anyone, we're not talking about individuals who are on the spectrum necessarily here, we're talking about absolutely everyone. If I'm a teacher, and I'm a former teacher, if we want to teach, I want to teach you to do something and it's difficult. I don't want to start with the hardest part of it, right? Because I want to set you up for success. I want you to feel that you can do this, that you will be able to do it, and I want to start you with some element of it that hopefully will make the easiest amount of sense to you, get you excited and make you feel like you can do this so then we can move on to the harder parts of it, right? Um, and that's what behavior momentum is. This is something that, um, you know, especially we talk a lot on the show about chaining and how you put a series of activities together, but even when you're chaining, there are parts of it that are harder than other parts of it, right? So we don't start physics with throwing a bunch of terms that nobody understands up on the board and go, okay, so this is what we're going to be learning. No, we start with something that everybody can relate to, that everybody can do. We give somebody a task and, and we, that we help them to succeed in, watch them succeed in, that we know that they're going to be successful in, then we reinforce them for it, we reward them for it and go, hey, look at you, look at how great you're doing. Now let's try this. And the, the thinking is, and this is, you know, lots of research, but it's one of those things where we go, duh, because it kind of makes sense, right? That if you've already had some success, that you're more willing to take on things that are harder, right? Because there's a bigger chance that you'll be successful because you were just successful. Now, behaviorists talk about doing this all the time with kiddos on the autism spectrum. That if we're going to ask them to do something hard, let's start with something that's easier, reinforce them, and then move towards the harder skills, right? It's a great method of teaching. I always talk about this with our autism parents. That when I'm trying to get uh, the people who work with your child to get you to buy in, this is what I tell them to do with you. I say to them, you know, this is hard for parents. When we're trying to learn ABA and we watch these amazing, magical people come in and they, you know, they do things with our kids and they're constantly in movement and they've got our kid engaged and they're moving stimuli around and they're like, what's this dude? Yay! And they're, they're reinforcing and it's like all seamless, right? Uh, and then I try to do it with my kiddo and I go, oh, something's missing here. Something's horribly amiss and wrong, right? And then, you know, I remember when my son was little and I tried to do something and he was across the room before I finished the first sentence. And I was like, how do they do this? They're magical, right? Um, and I always say to therapists and to BCBAs, teach the parents how to do stuff using behavior momentum. Give parents something easy to do that they will be successful with their child so that we don't feel like a complete failure. 
And you know, here's the truth of it. As a parent, you can ask for that. It's a little wonky, right? But you can go to your staff and say, hey, could you use behavior momentum on me? Could you start with something easy, especially when they're giving you something hard? It's okay to say, I need for you to start with something easy for me so that I can build up to doing the thing that you want me to do because that seems like the hard thing. And I got to tell you, it all gets so much easier if you already know that you're going to make a little bit of success really does. So use this with your kiddos. Ask people to use it on you. It's okay to ask um, because behavioral momentum gives us the confidence to be able to do things. There's, there's, there's something that they do. I've been at a, I can't remember which motivational speaker that, I, that does this thing. It might be Tony Robbins where you, you have to do a task where they, they ask you to you know, move your arm a certain distance and move it as far as you can. And then they ask you to close your eyes and visualize and then do it again and you automatically can do it further. Uh, it's just amazing, right? But, but behavioral momentum kind of is the same thing in that it gives us a platform in which we feel like we're going to be successful and then we are, we can be much more successful. So it gives us a positive outlook on things, right? And that's a big part of everything. Okay, so moving on, we always have a question of the day for you. And our question today Bum, ba, da, bum. Uh, of course, what were your New Year's resolutions? I know, sometimes people get really tired about the whole resolution thing, but you know, the truth of the matter is, is that we know scientifically that the things that we focus on and pay attention to are the things that more likely come to fruition. It's just, you know, what happens. It's uh, where attention, uh, where energy flows, where attention flows, energy goes, that's what it is. Um, so I'm asking you to set aside all your preconceived notions about New Year's resolutions and for, a, for just a moment to think about where would you like to be at the end of this year? Where would you like to be? Because this is how we work on goals as we go, here's where I'd like to be. Now, what would have to happen in order to be there on December 31st? What would have to have happened on November 31st? Well, then what would have had to have happened on October 31st? You know, so on and so forth going backward. Um, so I want you to think about what were your New Year's resolutions and are they in alignment with what you really want? And have you thought of how are you going to, to get there from there? Uh, I'm trying to do that for myself. It's, it's not the easiest thing because you got to take time. Um, but it's that, that whole thing about having a plan. And if we don't have a plan, you know, uh, we don't, we, we're planning to fail is what we're planning to do. So I want you guys to write in, what are your new year's, what are you going for? What are your new year's resolutions? What have you said? This is what's really important to me. Um, and then next week we'll worry about how you're going to get there, but you got to name it first, right? So what is it that you want to accomplish in 2020? I have different pockets of things, um, for, for different, like, you know, I have a, a new year's resolution for autism live. I have a new year's resolution for, you know, my health. I have, you know, um, and then it gets a little too complicated. So at some point around the third week in January, I always come down to like, I try to come down to one word. What's, what is the word for the year? Uh, a couple of years ago, my word for the year was edit. Um, because it encompassed all the things I needed to edit my schedule because there was too much going on. There was way too much. Um, and that there were, I had video that I needed to edit. And, you know, so it really, it became the word for the year. I don't have the word for the year yet. I'm working on it. Uh, work in progress. Uh, but where are you? 
do you have the New Year's resolutions? Write into us and tell us what you got going on. I, it might help me to get myself together. Uh, okay, and then of course we have a topic of the week, and obviously you can guess what our topic for the week is. It's the whole idea of setting goals. You know, um, I remember when our son started ABA therapy and somebody asked me early on, what are they working on with him? And, and I was like, well, am I supposed to know? Like, they're working on a lot. I don't really know. And it seemed like it changed so fast every day that I wasn't 100% sure. Um, by the time, and my son did five years of intensive ABA therapy. Uh, and I, I don't regret a minute of it. I got to be honest with you. If I could do anything um, in life, if there, you know, one regret would be that I didn't push for more hours, you know? Um, so please know that I'm coming from that space. But um, as, as we got to the end, I began to understand ABA. Uh, and it's part of why this show is so important to me to give you guys a base to understand why you're doing the things that you're doing and why they're doing the things that they're doing. What's the sense behind it? What's the arc? Because in the beginning, when you see them do stuff with your child and you see them go touch car and you go, like how I, we want him to go to college. How are we going to get there from touch car? Right. Um, but ABA automatically puts in goals for you. And if you can begin to understand what the goals are and what the trajectory is, I got to tell you as a parent, you become much more effective and you become a person on the team that's more effective. And I used to have a sign that was on our um, bathroom window that said, Jem's team is only as effective as its weakest player, and I will not be the weakest player, right? Um, so I, I think that if you are already getting ABA, then, then there's a piece of this that's already there and available for you to understand. But I want to encourage you as a parent, I want to empower you as a parent to get more involved in that goal setting so that you're going to the places that you want to go and you're going mindfully and you know why you're going there. I think that that's uh, the best possible place to be in. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, today and um, throughout the week. All right. Uh, so that's that's what we have uh, going on there. But I want to talk to you about who our guests are today because we've got some really amazing guests for you today. Our first guest is Raven Woods, who is a disability advocate and IEP expert. How much do we love that? Um, and then our second guest is going to be Carissa Winters. She is a repeat guest who's been with us. Uh, she is the author of the, the book, Your Guide to All Things Catacorn. And so we're going to be talking with both of them. We're going to hope that we have time to get a mindfulness moment in, and we're going to talk a little bit more. I mean, really, for the, for the, for the rest of this month, we're going to be talking about setting goals and about how to effectively put in place the plan that gets us there, right? It's executive functions. And these are things that we're teaching our kiddos. And if we can't model it, then how effective are we being, right? So uh, we're going to be doing more of that. But first, we're going to take a break. And then we're going to be back with Raven Woods. So stick with us. Welcome back to Autism Live. We're very excited for the first time to welcome to our show Raven Woods. Raven is a disability advocate and IEP expert. Raven, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. We're so excited to have you with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about you and how you became to be a disability advocate and an IEP expert. I'm sure that that's an interesting story. 
Oh, gosh, yes. Um, so my daughter's 14 now, and she was diagnosed with autism pretty early on. Um, I'm an educator, so in working with kids for over 18 years, when she was diagnosed, being my third child, I knew something was up. And so after she was diagnosed, I, of course, had my feelings all caught up into everything, and then I decided I had to get over it, and I dove into Google, and what I call when I work with my parents, we get our PhD in Google, and I just dove into all this research and what could help my daughter and what was going to support her and what the services were, and once she left um, early childhood education, she moved on to school and this IEP process that was, there was no manual given to me that I had to all of a sudden navigate. And so I did it all wrong. And I thought that this knowledge that I had obtained via Google and getting my so-called PhD in Google was a joke, but it was true. And it's what a lot of parents do. And then I bring my huge suitcase full of knowledge and research to my IEP meeting and it did nothing but fail and this happened so many times throughout so many years and so now um, after mastering my daughter's IEP several years ago I just had a feeling that I wanted to help others and I wanted to help others sooner rather than later and them not go through the turmoil and overwhelm and stress and anxiety that I went through of getting all the no's and feeling like a failure and feeling like I just was failing my daughter. And so now I have really created an amazing system that I work with parents and I teach them from beginning to end um, what is the process. And it all starts with, of course, identification, evaluation, and you know, it moves to what I call the hunt and gather, which is the core part of it, and where a lot of my parents have to do a lot of the work. So I have them basically answer a ton of questions, do a bunch of actions, which is going to see their child in the school, asking a ton of questions to the teachers, asking themselves questions about their child, because if they don't do that first part, um, it typically will fail. And then I teach them really how to go into the IEP and create their blueprint and plan of action. I joke, but I'm serious and say, you become a lawyer, you just don't get paid. And you do the same process. You observe and figure out and hunt and gather all that information. Then you take that information like attorneys and create a case. And then we teach, I teach to create a plan of action that they can then go and present, persuade, and negotiate. And it's a process that I've mastered with a lot of parents. We've had a lot of success. And the key thing with the IEP is not the research and the knowledge that you have. The key part is learning how to talk at the appropriate way to be able to get what you want that's needed and appropriate for your child done. And, you know, I explain to parents, you know, you have to focus on, you know, the beginning part and going back to the baseline and going back to the basics. Even if you're in the middle of an IEP, go back to the basics and start over because you'll always be able to follow the process if it's learned right. And none of us have really figured that out as far as the parents I'm working with. They're all frustrated. They're all angry because they're getting things from the schools and what I call gatekeepers where that's their job to say no. And so if you learn to 
negotiate in the right way and have done your homework, which is the hunt and gather, then you'll be able to do that in an effective way. So parents have had a lot of success and they've been amazing at it and following the process. And um, when you go into an IEP meeting, the goal is to, you know, work as a team, but it's a business relationship. So me creating a system and then helping parents gain knowledge and confidence to become what's called the CEO of that meeting. If you really look at Steve Jobs, he was an amazing CEO. He was a great speaker. He was able to sell a product that was amazing, but a lot of it was how he said what he said to get that product out there. And so I teach parents really the same thing of they want one thing, which is need, what's needed and appropriate for their child, because the school system does not have to do what's best, which is what us parents want. But if you're able to persuade, negotiate, and present in the right way, then you'll get things done. And it's all about the prep beforehand. Don't ever go into a meeting and think you got it because you have that knowledge from Google and you're just going to get it done because the school system will shut it down quick. Um, What's important to understand, though, is I heard you talking about ABA therapy. So I want to talk about something really quick, which is you have to learn in the, in the team meeting, you are working as a team, but you are the CEO who should be running that meeting and going through the whole process with each person around that table, having them tell you the series of questions that I give you about your child, about their progress, what's going on, how are they doing, are they regressing? What do they think? Ask them what they think and let them give that to you. Because once they give you information, which is part of the hunt and gather and creating your case, your plan of action, you can then repeat back to them exactly what they said to confirm and clarify that's what they meant. Because I teach my parents to quickly come back with something, which is a solution to whatever it was that was said to them. So I teach them to be quick and on their toes in that meeting and to really get their point across and have their proof and have their stuff together so that they can then be on top of it with their blueprint, checking everything off, not getting off course because they're nervous and scared. And with understanding what a win is. A win is you ask for, for example, ABA therapy and your child has autism. We all know it's scientifically based. It's researched. It's peer reviewed. My daughter went through it. I heard your child went through it. And bottom line, it works. And the thing is, is there's lots of parents requesting that, which they should because it's effective and works and is proven but a lot of school systems will come back and say things like, we don't do that. We don't hire that type of therapist in our school system. Or they'll say things like, um, we've never done that before. Or, you know, we can't do that. That's not part of our policy. You know, so parents get these answers that are not true. And they don't know what to say in reference to it. Like, for example, if they don't have an ABA therapist and it's needed and appropriate for that child, well, the school has to hire on the outside and bring them in to provide that needed and appropriate service for that child. You know, so there's all these things that go into the IEP, not just, I know it's needed for my child. I know it's best for my child. I'm going to go in and get this done. And then they're shut down and they don't know how to then approach the no. They think that's kind of uh, end and done when the IEP 
therapy is not a one and done. It's not a one-time thing. It's ongoing for many years, and you have to learn to work with this team. And um, taking a win is if you ask for speech therapy or ABA therapy, and they do give it to you, and your request was three times a week at 45 minutes, and they offer you two times a week at 30 minutes, take that win because that's part of the persuasion and the presenting and the negotiation. If they're going to give you a little bit of what you want, take it because that's something you already didn't have. It's put into the IEP, which is the legal document, and then you build off of it because if your child needs it, it's not too hard to up the service. It's very hard to get it from not having it initially. So it's very important for parents to realize a win the win build off the win and keep moving. But that's what I do. I love it. And it's, it's very effective. I'm putting out a course next month. I'm super excited about that. So yeah. Well, let's talk about that because all these things that you were saying are just great. And you're, you're very inspirational. I mean, you, you. you've got a lot of energy and I'm sure that you're really good at helping uh, parents to get this under control. But is it, a, how do, when you work, you said you have a course next week. Talk to us about how parents can get this help. Is there a one-on-one or then there's a course? Are you doing yeah, a book, so Raven? Raven, is the there a book coming? <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no. Um, I, I've worked my butt off on this course. I've put my heart and soul into it. And, you know, I have so much passion for this because of what I've been through. And so I've been in the trenches. I've been there, done that. And my story's not over. I still hit obstacles, but I just know how to go about it now. And my daughter's IEP is seriously rocking. You couldn't ask for anything better. But there's always ongoing things. It doesn't mean that you're not going to run into um, a disagreement. It happens all the time, right? When yeah. you're a CEO of a meeting, of a company, you, and this is what I teach my parents, to become the CEO and be knowledgeable and confident. And you have to be able to do certain things, problem solve. I always teach come up with the solution, give it to them, make it easy. And so when I created this course, it came from the passion that I have of everything I went through. But um, I walk parents literally through the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, I start off on the what's going on. Something's not right. Why is my child lining things up? Why is my child acting out in this way? Whatever it is, whether it be autism or any other type of disability, because an IEP is for any disability, um, you have to start at that beginning phase and then it's, you know, going on to, you know, that's identifying right there, the parent or the school can do it as well. And then you move on to, you know, the evaluation phase and evaluating your child. I'm highly, highly, I'm very passionate about the fact of who you go to to evaluate child. Yeah, so the school system always is going to evaluate your child if you request it initially for special education. But Always, always, if parents can take anything away from this, always get an IE, which is an individual education evaluation. So then you have two things to compare in the evaluation meeting, and the school system must take that evaluation, that second evaluation you got, hopefully from a developmental pediatrician, um, into consideration in that meeting, that eligibility meeting. So if I can just interrupt you for a second, because we're running out of time, and I want to make sure that yes. parents know, how can they take the course? Okay, so I'm launching it February 6th, 
and it takes them through the whole process, including FBAs, BIPs, what a PWN is, what why they're given to you. It talks about ESY. It takes them through the whole IEP process, gives them emails, um, and I'm going to be holding um, an amazing webinar on February 6th that parents can register for, and um, I'm giving out the program for half off for one time only, um, and it literally leads them the whole through the whole process all the way to the end, which is rinse and repeat, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's a very in-depth course. It's a six-week course. You have two and three lessons within each course. And then you'll also get me bi-weekly on a Zoom chat so we can all collaborate. There can be a question and answer session. And so it's very in-depth, and parents have to be willing to do the work. I walk them step-by-step step through it. I walk them through the whole process. I teach them the whole process, give them the emails that have to be in chronological order, um, and tell a story. Parents have to learn to tell the story when they're presenting, persuading, and negotiating. People love stories. People empathize with stories. So if I can teach one thing, it's to tell your story, be chronological in your story, and then be able to present in the right way to get what you want done. I absolutely agree with you. But so where should they go to register? So they can come to my website, which is autismamamarocksiep.com, and then they can also go to my Facebook page or group, which is autismamamarocksiep.com, and I will have a link that will take them straight to the webinar, which is where they're going to be able to get the course. Okay, so Autism Mama is mama with how many M's in mama? So A-U-T-I-S-M, and then mama, M-A-M-A, -M -A, and then rocks. IEP.com. Okay, and we've got we've got your logo up there. That's so cute. Yeah. Uh, okay, and so the the webinar starts. I, I think you said on the sixth of February. Yes. So not a lot of time between now and then. But if they register for it right now, they're going to get a, a hefty discount for doing it. Yeah, half off, and it's going to be the one time only. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, and is there a deadline that, you know, can they register up until the 6th or they should do it sooner? They, they want to do it sooner. It's actually going to be put out on January 18th for them to get the link, but they're welcome to join my page and join my group. It's an amazing community. And then they'll be reminded until the webinar, which is on February 6th. Okay, so we really want to encourage everybody to go to AutismMamaRocksTheIEP.com and register ASAP. And yeah. we want to thank you so much for being with us, and we'll have to have thank you back you. again. And I hope that the, it sounds great, the webinar. Hope that you know, a lot of people that take that and learn and, and empower themselves in how to get control of this meeting, because so much rides on it. So much yeah. rides on it. Uh, but thank you so much for this amazing service, and, and we wish you great luck. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You guys know we talk about the IEP process a lot, and I'm a former teacher, and it was overwhelming to me. I mean, I've sat on the other side of the table for IEPs, and it was overwhelming for me. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's really important that we all avail ourselves of help because you can, you can do it yourself. I mean, you know, look, she did, but she tell, she told you she spent 
years where she made mistakes. I did it myself and took years and made mistakes, right? Um, or you could do a course and, and help yourself out the gate. Knowledge is power, folks. Knowledge is power. Uh, okay, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we are going to be back with Carissa Winters, author of Your Guide to All Things Catacorn. Stick with us. Welcome back to Autism Live. We are coming uh, back with all things Catacorn in just a second, but I wanted to take just a minute here uh, to address some of the things that you guys have written in. First of all, I want to say hi to Sophie, who's writing to us from New Zealand, who loves our jargon. Thank you. I love that you're still watching the SD. Yeah, you know, we take all of the jargon um, that we do, and we have a playlist for them on our YouTube site and on our um, autism-live.com. Um, so, because, you know, we know that watching them once isn't often enough to get it to where you understand it. So they're there. And when, when somebody says something at a meeting, you take the time, look, you know, write a note to yourself on the side, you know, look that up on the jargon playlist on Autism Live. And if there's a jargon term that you're hearing that we haven't covered, please write to us. We're constantly looking for new jargon to take on. Uh, but thanks. Uh, and I, our love to New Zealand, our love to Australia right now. Oh my gosh, you're in all of our prayers. I also want to do big shout out to Cynthia, uh, that uh, old friend, blast from the past, uh, who says, hey, Shannon, great topic. We're working on this in our home for the new year. I assume you mean about those uh, goals. She says, small steps to get uh, some wins without overwhelm. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely love that. Uh, now, we did have somebody, and Swathi, I want to say hi to Swathi. Um, thank you so much. Um, uh, and we're, uh, and I see that her uh, new, new Year's resolution is... Uh, that she's hoping that her daughter, Siri, uh, designs by Siri, will be able to move out and be happy with her new lifestyle. I think that that is a great New Year's resolution. Uh, and we're going to be checking in with you to see how that's going, because you guys have been working on that for a while. Uh, but then we had another person who wrote in our YouTube channel and said that my five-year-old son's dog and best friend died last week. My son has no idea about death and keeps asking for his dog, and I keep telling him he went bye-bye. Should I get him a new dog? Any advice? Um, you know, it's funny, uh, not in a ha-ha way, but ironic that just yesterday when we had Ask Evelyn Kung, we had another question about death. And so she talked specifically about how we begin to explain death to our kiddos on the autism spectrum. And, she, and so you can go back and watch yesterday's show to see that, but I'll give you the Reader's Digest version that she was talking about being very concise with the language and being very particular about what you say and how you say. Obviously, you know, we all have different beliefs about what happens afterwards, but being very careful and mindful about what you say to a young person on the spectrum who doesn't have a context in which um, to understand it. So, uh, you know, her suggestion was saying, you know, that being dead means that you, your heart stops working and your brain stops working. Um, and that then you can embellish with whatever you want to embellish, um, but that keeping it very specific and literal. As to getting him a new dog, uh, I mean, there's lots of schools of thought about that, and I think it really is going to depend on you, what you're ready for, and, and what your gut says to you about your child. There is a certain amount of time that's ideal to process. Um, but, you know, that could be as short as two days for somebody to, um, I think, 
getting a new dog that doesn't look exactly like the other and, and renaming it the same thing, I think that that's a bad idea because the truth of the matter is, is that this child is going to have to deal with death in different ways throughout their life. This is not going to be the last time that something that is so important to him dies and we don't want to make it seem like you know that that isn't the case and that things go on and on forever um, but perhaps starting a conversation about you know with, you know do we want it with the child about do we want to get a new dog and are you ready for that because that's that's a lot and you're processing your grief too so um, it's all individual and I realize I'm not of much help to you there um, but uh, wanted to make sure you knew about Evelyn Kung's super fabulous expert advice about death uh, that was on yesterday's show. Uh, okay, and then there was one more. I think I missed it, but um, that's okay. Uh, we, uh, Traven, do we need to take a break before we go to Carissa, or are we able to go right now? Okay, so we have Carissa Winters joining us right now. Uh, she is the author of Your Guide to All Things Catacorn. We've had her on the show before. Carissa, welcome back. Good to see you. Good to see you again, too. So for viewers who didn't see you were on the show before, talk to us about uh, your guide to all things Catacorn. So yeah, the book has been doing great. We've created a lot of awareness, been able to give back to help, you know, with the service dogs and also to create awareness, which is really big for us. Just, you know, putting out the message about how early intervention is so important and how all kids should have access to treatment. And it's just, a, our book is kind of a vessel, a tool, if you will, for us to bring that message to people in a different kind of way that maybe they haven't heard of before. And as we talked on a previous show, it's also has a lot of cool hidden meanings. It's how I actually taught my autistic daughter, Presley, emotions. And we actually have a new book called Scribbles which is out. I'll show it to you. Yeah. How cute. Oh, look how sweet it is. And, and so is that in fact Scribbles, that, that character? This is Scribbles, yes. Uh, so he's a puppicorn. He was actually born different. He was born without a horn. And he learns to craft his way through challenges. So it addresses bullying and feeling like you're different and born different. And my daughter's a crafter, so that's kind of how we came up with the concept. She was dealing with some bullying in school due to her autism, and she crafted to kind of soothe herself. And that's where I came up with the concept of scribbles. I, so it's a cool book for any kid, but it does have a hidden meaning. And we are also giving back to autism and advocating and doing all the same things we did with our other book as well. He's super, super cute. Who does your illustrations? Oh, it's hard for me to hear you. What? Who does your illustrations? I do. I do all the illustrations. That is just, like, look at how talented you are. That is amazing. He is so <laughs> Thank cute. You so much. Um, and then I love this whole story idea too, because we know that sometimes um, for kids to be able to understand something, we need to give lots of different contexts and being able to put it in the context of this precious little puppy uh, who's a, a puppicorn uh, but was born without his horn. Um, I absolutely love that. Where can people get your books? So Your Guide to All Things Catacorn is on Walmart, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. This one was just released, the Scribbles, and it's on Amazon. You can get it Kindle edition or you can also get it um, just regular 
uh, copy like this on Amazon as well. So you can find Scribbles on Amazon. What a wonderful thing and what a great thing for, what a great way for you to have channeled what's going on in your life and in your daughter's life and putting it into something that's positive and, and then not only doing that, but raising awareness and helping to raise funds, as you said. Well, that's our big motto, is color it differently. We, you know, for me, it's, it's a, being a mother of a child that's autistic, she teaches me all the time and she always is the one that says, hey, maybe that idea will help another kid with autism or just another kid in general. And she's so smart and just, it's amazing how their mind works. And so to work with her and come up with these ideas on stories and, and it works with her and helps her cope with it. And if it can do that for any other child going through something, then that's truly our mission is, is to not only get back to autism, but to help someone going through bullying. You know, I think most of us in some form, unfortunately, have experienced bullying or feeling different than others or feeling like we don't fit in. And this kind of shows to love and accept yourself just as you are. And my daughter the other day was reading the book to another kid and she said, you know, I learned to love and accept myself just as I am. And I love my autism because my brain works differently and I can see things differently. And I think that's cool. And it was just so cool to see her express herself in that way and to be able to put into words something so big like that. So, yeah, it means a lot. And I really feel so blessed to just be able to share it not only with my daughter to make a difference, but with others. And not only through changing, you know, feeling like an outsider or different, but also to give back to autism and advocate at the same time. It's a wonderful, wonderful mission that you're on. Is there also a, fa a Facebook page and or website or and or Snapchat that you want to share that is for Catacorn and Puppicorn? Yes, yeah, so it's catacornbooks.com and we have everything from clothing to stuffed animals to our books and it kind of states our mission on there as well. And we also have an Instagram, it's Catacorns for Autism. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, we, I wish we had more time. We've already gone over, but I want to thank you for being with us. And, and honestly, uh, your illustrations are amazing. The stories are amazing. Uh, thank you for the work that you're doing. No, thank you for all that you guys do. I love being on your show and we always love watching you. So thank you for all that you guys do. I appreciate it. Thank you, Such Teresa. a compliment. It means a lot coming from you. Thank uh, you. Thank you. All right. Well, happy new year. You too as well. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Uh, so, like, honestly, isn't that the cutest thing ever? That little popcorn. Don't you want to stick him underneath your little scribbles? Stick him underneath your arm and take him with you everywhere? I do. Uh, so definitely check out that book. We are well and truly out of time, but I want to say to you that on tomorrow's show, Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy, we have Cassidy Smith, who's from Happe Toys, great wooden toys that you're going to absolutely love. And then we have Vanessa Leonard, a really powerhouse educational therapist that you'll also um, want to hear from her. And then great shows back next week. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.